0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.
1: I'm Martin Strong and this is Vancouver Consumer. In a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny SmartPoint johnnysmartpoint.com that's coming up but first some of the consumer news headlines it's now official health canada announced this week that both the pfizer and the moderna covid19 vaccines have been granted full approval for anyone aged 12 and over pfizer BioNTech's vaccine was initially authorized for use in canada under an emergency interim order uh, last december uh, based on preclinical and clinical data. AstraZeneca's COVID-19 vaccine, still authorized under the interim rev- order, remains under review. Health Canada also formally authorized a name change for the three COVID vaccines. They're a little jazzier. The Pfizer vaccine will now be named Calm ernady I don't really get that one. The moder- Moderna vaccine will be named SpikeVax. I like that one. Spike Vax, uh, and the AstraZeneca vaccine will be named Vaxzevria. Health Canada clarified that not only the names have changed, but nothing has been modified with the vaccines themselves. The new names are already being used for promotional purposes in the EU and the United States. And Health Canada went on to say through Twitter this week that, quote, all COVID-19 vaccines authorized in Canada are proven safe, effective, and of high quality. Meantime, at least one frustrated passenger wants BC Ferries to do more to enforce the mandatory mask policy. Diane Terrell was on a busy sailing this past week between Towason and Schwartz Bay and says from her seat at one point she could count more than a dozen people not wearing masks while ferry officials looked the other way. Face coverings are once again mandatory in all public spaces in the province. Uh, BC Ferry spokesperson Deborah s- Marshall says there are a number of things being done to make sure passengers comply and travel bans are among the consequences for those who defy the policy. And uh, Marshall says they do make announcements on board and staff will walk around and say something if they see someone not wearing a mask. She also says most passengers taken in stride, though, some occasionally get irate. And Eric McNeely, the president of the B.C. Ferry and Marine Workers Union, says workers have had to deal with plenty of abuse from ferry travelers who don't want to mask up. McNeely says ferry workers are tired of it. Uh, there, and he says there isn't enough staff to adequately enforce the mandate. Uh, from his perspective, he thinks uh, the answer is simple. They need more staff, more security. If you're looking to rent a basement suite in Mount Pleasant, here's one for a thousand bucks a month. There are some conditions, though. No smoking, no drinking, no drugs, and nobody over five foot four inches tall. These are the tenant requirements noted in a Vancouver rental listing ad on Craigslist for a basement bachelor suite on 25th and Main Street for $1,000 a month. The one-room suite with den comes with hot water, high-speed internet, and what looks to be skull-crackingly low ceilings. The photos in the listings Are not that attractive it looks like the far end of a basement where most people keep their stuff like their snow shovels and stuff in fact in one of the photos you can actually see a snow shovel hanging on the wall so i i guess you'd call it a fixer-upper for the tenant uh, to make it livable but if you can get past the low ceilings the good news is you can have a pet just not a tall pet the listing has been up for about a month and was updated just two weeks ago. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And coming up, we're going to talk real estate, guiding us through the opportunities out there in the world of real estate in this very interesting market will be John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and uh, we're going to talk real estate now with our friend John Carlson from 2% Realty. You know him as johnnysmartpoint.com. All right, I guess the dot com. I guess sometimes people call you johnnysmartpoint.com because the website is is so so top of mind for people. But you are Johnny Smartpoint. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Yeah, good to be back again.
1: Yeah, so... Um, Let's, let's start things off with uh, kind of a state of the market. Uh, a just-published report suggests that the inventory in the Vancouver real estate market has uh, reached a low not seen since 2016. And uh, when you say inventory, basically, there's not a lot of stuff to buy out there. And uh, according to the Greater Vancouver Regi- uh, Real Estate Board, they forecast a little bit of upward pressure. In prices, due to uh, more people trying to buy stuff, coupled with uh, less stuff to buy, does that uh, does that sound uh, kind of uh, right to you?
0: Well, yeah, and thanks for bringing that up. I think that's been a big part of the story of the local real estate market this summer. People taking time off, getting away from real estate, the heat. You know, maybe planning to come back into the market in September. So statistically, it's been a low inventory market. There's not a whole lot for sale. Um, The list to sale ratios, you know, favor sales. Most everything is selling. It's one of those kind of markets. So um, there's a lot of truth in what you said, of course, uh, but I don't know if it's the whole story. Anytime you have um, demand exceeding supply to a certain extent for a prolonged period of time, prices go up. Um, and we saw that, of course, in the in the early part of this year, March and April and May were record setting months in sales in the real estate board of Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. But they were also record listing months and, and, and those good listings got soaked up by the market and they were sold. And, you know, as a result, when people got less excited about listing their homes in maybe uh, July and August and the demand stayed relatively strong, we were, we're in a situation where the inventory is low. So, you know, definitely agree there. In terms of prices going up, time will tell. Um, I do know right now that, you know, that report is looking at probably stats that are already a little bit old. And I'm seeing the listing inventory start to blossom in in a number of areas. So uh, where there might have been, you know, zero or one listing in your area not long ago, there might be three or four now. So I know a lot of people are planning to hit the market. September is turning into a pretty big listing month. And it'll kind of uh, depend on how eager the buyers are to snap up all that inventory as to how much stays on the shelf. But Uh, I think that some of the supply problem will hopefully be alleviated. We're going to have, you know, still a strong market favoring sellers to some degree through September, October, and November, and probably till Christmas.
1: And which is probably good news still if you're if you're selling because there's you know stuff to buy because you have to live somewhere, and for people who are moving and uh, not relocating somewhere far away, it's important. So let's talk about kind of the the nuts and bolts of uh, of Of selling a piece of property. I mean, it might be an excellent time in the fall. So if people call you or they go to johnnysmartpoint.com or call you at uh, 604-612-0080, let's get into the kind of nuts and bolts of that, the commission structure. But what's the first step? If someone's thinking of uh, selling their property, uh, they go to johnnysmartpoint.com. What's the first thing you're going to talk about?
0: well uh yeah first of all i would thank anybody for inviting me over to talk about their plans um you know oftentimes i think people have an idea in their head that hey when the time's right uh, and i'm ready to sell maybe i'll call this person or that person so it's always nice to be to be thought of um, and, you know, timing wise, I would agree, you know, depending on situations, but from a seller's point of view, it's a nice market to, to sell in or to downsize in because uh, detached housing prices are high. And even though you're buying again, or maybe you're buying out of town or locally or downsizing, you're still, you know, not paying a cheap price for your, for your smaller place. But um, for a lot of people financially, it's making sense to downsize right now. But to answer your question, well, the first thing I have a duty to talk about is agency. When I meet someone, I'm a professional, so I need to introduce the, the 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 fact that at the at the moment, at least, I don't have an agency relationship with these people, and they should maybe not tell me their, you know, bottom line price or their, uh, you know, their their motivations because I don't have any duty to keep things confidential at that point. Not that I'm blabbing things all over town, but I do have a duty to let potential clients know. And so I go through that, and sometimes they ask me to step into the role of an agency relationship, and at that point. I, you know, leave them a little something in writing. It's non-committal, by the way, and this is how it works with agents. We have a duty to bring it up. And if uh, a client says to me, you know, John, I I really need somebody to give me some advice. I've got a situation. You know, I really want to talk about this. I'll say, okay, pull up the form. I sign acknowledging an agency relationship with that potential client. And I let him or her know, hey, you're not obliged to work with me. This is obliging me to the duties of confidentiality. Everything we talk about here is confidential. I owe you a full disclosure of everything I know. And if you hire me, I owe you the duty of loyalty to work for you and for your interest alone. Uh, So anyway, people uh, usually like to hear that up front and get that disclosure out of the way. But I have a duty to to bring that up first, because then that clears the table to allow us to talk in a way where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm serving their interests
1: and a lot of people ask me well where does the name johnny smart point come from and i always explain it is that that point between uh the kind of experience you get with john carlson you get uh, a person who's been in this business for many many years he sold over a thousand properties in the lower mainland but it's also uh, a good good value when it comes to commission. And uh, we've talked a lot about how you would never uh, go to somebody just because th- it's a little bit cheaper. But I think the smart point is you're getting good value, but you're also getting uh, real, real experience. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the fact that you are a 2% realtor. Um, sure. I mean, yeah. what, does that, what does that mean for people?
0: Well, um, you know, really the commission is, uh, a part of, of the whole overall, you know, package, I suppose that, a that a good agent will, will bring to the table. Um, and you know people ask me this question all the time and I let them know really, uh, it's business as usual. It's not like I'm cutting corners and finding a way to make the wagon wheel smaller or, you know, things like that. It's, uh, it's just simply that, um, you know, my business model, I do a good volume of business. I feel comfortable charging the commissions that my company charges, which would be a 2% flat fee at anything over $500,000 sale price. And, you know, you've heard a lot of clients on this show uh, call in and do testimonials and say, hey, I saved $10,000, $20,000, whatever it might be, compared to, you know, what the other agents were quoting me. So, you know, the commission structure is one thing. And, um, you know, we can talk about that further. But the smart point really is that, you know, no, I'm not cutting corners. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, finding ways to, uh, you know, to, to keep things out. Like sometimes people say, gee, what aren't you getting? You might not know what you're not getting if you're not paying the commission. And and the truth is I do all the stuff I've always done when I was at other companies years ago and added the new things that have come along. And, you know, we do all the, the tech stuff and et cetera. But really, I think what you're looking for when you, when you hire a, a real estate agent is, someone, first of all, with the skill set to do the job properly. And a lot of that is communication skill and experience, to tell you the truth. Um, And, you know, the knowledge to help, you know, guide you. And then also the understanding, I think, that uh, the role of a a good real estate agent is to advise and point out possibilities and options and talk about scenarios with the client when it comes time for, for offers and pricing and all that stuff. And to, you know, to, to make sure that at all times, everybody's aware that, you know, what the interests are here, working for the interests of the client, advising the client, giving them all the information that the client needs to make those good decisions. So, you know, the smart point is, uh, you know, I suppose, in addition to saving money over most, maybe not all, but most of the competition out there, um, you know, I've got a good track record over the years. of doing a lot of, uh, you know, real estate sales and making my clients very happy. So as long as I stick to that formula and I keep things simple, I tend to have success and my clients are happy.
1: This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. We're talking to John Carlson, JohnnySmartPoint.com, 604 612 0080. You can also email John at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And if you go to the website, johnnysmartpoint.com, you can go to um, uh, a, a, a chart basically how much will you save? And it'll show you what, uh, if, what your property's worth and what you will save with a 2% realty structure compared to the typical structure. You always say that, that everybody's different, but, uh, it's a, it can be a lot of money, especially, you know, like with the average price being whatever it is. I mean, say, say it's a million dollar property, uh, Uh, Most other brokers will charge $29,500. That's a typical uh, commission structure. 2% realty, $20,000. That's $9,500. That's a lot of money that uh, people will save. And, uh, and it's also, you know, that's just, that's non-taxable, just money in your pocket.
0: Yeah. Principal residences are still, uh, you know, that way. So yes, on a principal residence, <laughs> that would be true. And again, it's, it's the value proposition. Are you saving money compared to the competition? In most cases, I would suggest yes. And are you getting an agent who's um, going to do a good job for you? And again, the answer is yes there. So again, thanks for asking me. You also mentioned about uh, people calling me Johnny Smartpoint. I've had some friends call me Johnny Smart Pants. <laughs> I've had, uh, you know, more people call me Johnny now since I was a kid. So I know that people are picking up on the messages and anybody can, can call me Johnny anytime. Um, and I'll be and I'll be there. But yeah, that's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a business model that I'm really enjoying and my clients are enjoying it as well. And I invite anybody out there uh, listening, thinking of selling to participate
1: Right. Yeah. So, um, the, the election is coming up. We, sh- we should talk a little, maybe a little later. We'll get into what sure. that means because, uh, you know, you talk about, uh, the way, uh, your principal residence is taxed. It's quite favorable. It's a, it's, you don't pay a lot of tax. If you sell your house that you've owned for a long time, you can make a lot of money, but, uh, there are some talk about changing that, but, uh, we'll talk about that later. So, um, What, what do you see? Like I'm looking at your website now and, uh, uh, what, what's your prediction for the fall market? Uh, you, you were kind of mentioning that it, it, you, you think it may heat up a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for asking. It's funny whenever I someone asks me for a prediction, I kind of visualize the Johnny Carson sketch. Uh. <laughs> so you know, I try not to. I try not to do any real predicting, but I can tell you what I see right now. We talked about it earlier. Um, a return to the market of demand or, or a steady demand over the summer, and not as much supply, which leads you to ratios where you know buyers are a little more anxious than sellers are so I see that balancing out a little bit but I think I think we're going to be in kind of a Goldilocks market one that favors sellers but I think uh, sellers are going to be able to achieve very good prices um, going up maybe leveling off I don't know um, but staying solid and also having you know some time before Christmas to properly look for their next places so I think that it's going to be a a pretty steady market Uh, whatever election stuff happens won't you know, affect anything in the near term. So throughout this year, I think we're going to carry on with the momentum we built at the first part of the year. I feel like the pause or the mini pause, if you will, semi pause during the summer is now probably off. And those people that are thinking about real estate are going, you know, back out there and it'll be busy.
1: And if somebody calls you or or, uh, gets in contact with you, johnnysmartpoint.com, normally uh, uh, I always hear from from your clients that, oh, I didn't feel rushed. I didn't feel rushed, but this might be a good time to kind of to hop into the market, right? Yes,
0: yeah, it definitely can be. And I'm getting some of those questions You know, now. In fact, lately, just very, very recently, um, I've been getting, I, I think three people that I can think of who called me and right off the bat said, hey, you know, I'm not sure this is the right time for me, but boy, I'm kind of tempted, you know, I, I don't have to sell right now, but I'm kind of curious, what's my place worth? And, you know, so we go and we, we, we talk and discuss the agency thing as well, of course, and, and you know, it turns out that a lot of times people are wondering, hey, maybe this is a good time. Maybe we've reached peak market. Maybe interest rates go up. Maybe, 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 you know, nobody really knows. But I think, again, it's pretty clear that we've got a lot of momentum going into this fall and it's, you know, you, you won't have a problem. I, I like to tell people, you know, if you do this properly, you introduce the property, you know, at, at, at an appropriate price, uh, you know, and, and do good marketing. The challenge isn't selling the home. The the home will sell. The challenge is maximizing it. How do you go through the process to achieve the best result? I mean, do you set the table for a multiple offer situation and let people fight for it? Uh, Do you price it for all it's worth and say, hey, you know, here I am. Come and get it. Um, You know, how how do you go about this? And and really, and, and maybe commission's part of that as well. You know, maybe you save some on commission, but the whole goal is selling is not the problem coordinating your sale with a purchase and maximizing that sale to get all the money you can in your pocket. That's really, you know, the name of the game right now.
1: We're talking to John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. You can get a hold of him uh, on his website, johnnysmartpoint.com or 604-612-0080. The email john at johnnysmartpoint.com. We'll have more right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong and with me now is John Carlson, uh, Johnny Smart Point. You can find him online at johnnysmartpoint.com. You can also give him a call 604-612-0080 or email john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And we've been talking about uh, the market and how the fall is shaping up to be Kind of more of the same, um, you know. Inventory things that are for sale are slowly coming back, but they are still at very low levels. And it's a good time to sell a house. I, I I think that's fair to say. It's a it's a seller's market. So so John, why does someone need a really experienced realtor? if it's a seller's market, because a lot of people think, well, I could just get anybody to sell houses, just put it up on the market, it'll sell and boom, it'll be gone. So what, let's talk about some of the pitfalls of a seller's market, even though all the advantages are in your court, if you're selling, um, you still, there are still some things to think about, right?
0: Well, yes, I think so. There's always things to think about. And that's really an interesting question now that you put it to me, because uh, if I understand it right, Sellers, it's a seller's market. But what are the potential pitfalls or mistakes you could make as a seller? Um, Because I think it's before the break, we were talking about, uh, you know, my thought that it's, it's not necessarily hard to sell a home. But you want to usually most sellers, virtually all sellers want to maximize, you know, that return when they sell. And how do you go about that? So I guess a pitfall might be if you were to not plan things out properly and uh, maybe you went about things improperly and you left money on the table and you didn't maximize you know, the really hot market that you're in. Now, I recognize that for some people, a quick sale or sale under certain conditions could be more important than the bottom line price-wise, but the majority of sellers want to maximize their sale and the majority of them need it because they're buying again in, in the same kind of market. So I guess you know, a pitfall would be... Uh, Maybe if you don't do your due diligence well enough as a seller, Um, you know, usually if you have a good agent, the agent will do a lot of that for you. But, you know, you have to pick somebody first. And I I can recall, you know, some occasions recently, uh, uh, one lady in particular, of course, who, of course, I won't name, but asking me to do an appraisal and um, or or an evaluation. And when I reported back to her, she was kind of astonished. She hadn't kept up with the market and, and was really surprised and actually doubted, you know, does this actually, is is this an accurate number? And we went forward and, you know, obviously uh, she was very successful and very happy, but that might be step one. Make sure you know what kind of market you're in. And again, you know, a good agent, there's lots of good agents out there can, can help, um, you know, can help you get started and pointed in the right direction.
1: Yeah. And I guess, um, say you're, you're downsizing, for example, you've got a house and that is a huge chunk of equity. And if you don't know what it's worth, that could leave a lot of money on the table. And even though you're still getting a bit of a windfall, um, you know, like if it's a matter of twenty, thirty thousand $30,000, um, that's a lot of money.
0: Yes. Yeah, it is. And it, it's important <laughs> to, to most people. Let's face it. A lot of people here in, in greater Vancouver, and the lower mainland earn their retirement, you know, comfort through the ownership of their principal residence. That's a big part of you know average person's um, you know retirement plan wealth plan, that sort of thing. So this is this is important stuff. Um, and you know no, you don't take it lightly. So it's ab- absolutely important. Now pricing, you know listing a property uh, or giving an evaluation on price is always an opinion. you know everybody may have their own opinions and I let people know, hey I'm, you know I'm not the market. And quite frankly, you know, when it comes to some of these places, certain detached houses in good areas, I've got one that I'll talk to you about um, where there's very little inventory and you're in a desirable spot. I honestly think if you took, you know, 10 realtors or 10 agents and and put truth serum in their arms and said, hey, what's the value uh, of my property? You know, uh, I think a lot of agents would probably say, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but I have an idea about how we can set the stage to get the right amount of interest to really generate the, the best possible situation. But in this age of multiple offers and, uh, you know, and quick offers and things, sometimes there's a lot of interpretation involved there and it depends on the scenario. For instance, if you had two or three listings that were somewhat similar in terms of price and location and that sort of thing, and one of those three listings was priced much more attractively than the others or had another significant advantage and there were 10 buyers come offer day that one listing might get all 10 offers and the other two might languish so it comes down to you know how do you balance you you know the value proposition you put on the market in terms of price and marketing that sort of thing uh how you know how much interest do you want to generate so uh, again it depends on the supply demand situation in your own segment and all that sort of thing but um there are Different options you have. And that's why you're seeing a lot of multiple offer situations in home selling over list price, because it it can be by design and and oftentimes it produces great results. So anyway, these are all just different strategies that people ask about and that uh, potential sellers might think about.
1: Yeah, we're talking to John Carlson, Johnny Smart Johnny johnnysmartpoint.com is where he is on the net and 604-612-0080. John at johnnysmartpoint.com is the email address. And you kind of may have already answered this question, but uh, we're talking about some of the pitfalls, even though it's a seller's market that uh, right. homes are being snapped up quickly. And we're talking about the pitfalls, but m- let's talk more about multiple offers. Um, I would imagine that could be a very tricky thing for a seller because, um, if, if you, uh, if you, uh, list it too high, that's a problem. If you list it too low, so, so I would imagine with, in this age of multiple offers, it's really important to have a real estate agent who understands how they work and has had some experience in them.
0: Yeah, likely. I mean, there are people who are capable of doing the job themselves. I mean, I've I've dealt with lawyers and business people and, uh, and um, you know, builders and all those sorts of things. But the interesting thing I find is, um, you know, when a successful builder, for instance, who also has the ability to buy and sell real estate because that is that is, or, or work as a real estate agent, I should say, um, you know, those people find that they're best served by having somebody else do the job for them that does it all the time. So, yeah, usually having a good agent in your, in your corner is, is, is a great place to start. And you want to make sure you have somebody who has the tools to get the job done. And that might include, you know, a good experience with multiple offer situations, as you mentioned, because that seems to be the flavor of the day in, in certain segments.
1: Right. Have, have you ever been surprised? Have, have you ever been selling a property and just it, it's just gone insane and offers coming in that you had no idea it would go that high?
0: Uh, on the listing side, I've had pleasant surprises and my clients and I have. Yes, I think any agent could say that. Nothing that would really stand out as super uh, uns- uns- uh, uh, maybe unexpected. But uh, yeah, there have been, you know, oftentimes you can exceed the expectations, but you got to be careful. If you exceed them too much, then maybe you just didn't have an accurate picture from the beginning. From the buyer's point of view, though, I did, uh, you know, working with some buyers and we were unsuccessful, but there was a a property that uh, my clients bid on and it had a lot of good things going for it. We knew the activity was strong and we knew we were in a tough fight, but in the end, there were 35 offers on the property and that did surprise me. And that was just kind of uh, toward the end of August and that kind of opened my eyes that, hey, you know inventory is low and the buyers are still out there for the right home. So, uh, yeah, that was one that was a bit of an eye opener for me.
1: Yeah. We're, we're talking to John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint, johnnysmartpoint.com. And, uh, John has been in the business a long time. Uh, I won't say how many years, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> how many, when, when did, what, when, when did you sell your first property?
0: What I years? started real estate in 1996. Wow. So I think this is year 25 for me and I'm going on to 26. Wow. And, uh, you know, the market wasn't the same back then as it is now, of course. And now I'm starting to sound like an old man, so I'll stop there. But, uh, no, I'm still, (laughs) still young enough to get it done as wasn't that one of Ronald Reagan's famous. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're
1: you're a young dude. You're not that old. Um, so so let's talk about the kind of experience that you gain with, uh, years and years of selling properties. Um, there it's more to me, like in, in the, the times we've talked, it seems like it's more to me than just, you know, contracts and prices and bidding and all this stuff. It's also about, um, sort of understanding the personality of the home, the personality of the people and, uh, Every house has advantages and disadvantages and charms and, and what's great about it. And it's important for you to, to look at a piece of property and understand that, isn't it?
0: It is. I mean, every situation's different. Uh, each, you know, each seller has potential seller or buyer has his or own needs. And so really, I think my first job is to go in there and try to understand what they're telling me. And understand what they're asking me and then once I understand what they want for me to, to deliver that and you know see what happens sometimes people say hey John I'd love to work with you but timing's not right uh, other times hey I'm ready now let's let's get to work so you know understanding that is the is the first thing that's it's most important.
1: Yeah, and and what's what's the the thing that uh, people can do to make their besides bake bread to make their house? I don't know that's such a cliche. You bake bread when the people come look at the house. Uh, but what are what what should people do with their with their home when they're trying to sell it?
0: Trying to get ready for a sale. Uh, well, yeah. you know sometimes it's as simple as just decluttering and making sure all the lights work and the doorbell and doorknobs work and everything's you know functioning. Other times people want to um, maybe replace old carpets. Maybe they want to paint. Um, You know, maybe they need to repair some items. I'm a, I'm a big believer in trying to eliminate deficiencies. So if a house has a bad smell, for instance, that would be a deficiency or evidence of mold or, or, or leaks or problems that need to be fixed. Buyers oftentimes will either be afraid to tackle these things or be inexperienced and not really know what the true cost to address them is, or also maybe wonder if a seller's hiding other things that they can't see. So, Deficiencies are always, pretty much always, you know, worth addressing. Uh, sometimes people can't afford to, uh, to address a deficiency. Maybe it's significant, uh, some sort of a foundational issue or something. Well, then you disclose and, you know, you disclose to the best of your ability, do as much research as you can and make sure that you've got an accurate picture and you price accordingly. But for most people, it really comes down to we live in our homes and they're not always show ready. But you have to remember that it's, uh, I've used this analogy before, like going to a dance, you want your good shirt on, you want your hair combed just right, you know, you want to you look good so you you freshen up. So most of the time that's all that's required, but I do go into homes and people ask me my opinions and I, I'm i happy to give those and, you know, hopefully we work together.
1: John Carlson is uh, Johnny Smartpoint, johnnysmartpoint.com and we talked about how the smart point is the kind of experience and skill you get when you get an experienced real estate agent like John Carlson. But the smart point is he's also a 2% realtor, meaning his commission structure is on the low side and it can save you a lot of money. And uh, we've been talking a little bit about the market and how um, right now it seems like the, the inventory is quite low and uh, it's slowly coming back. It just means there's not a lot Lot of stuff to buy and that's driving up the prices so just to, you know as as we wrap up uh, it's a good time to, to sell a house right now isn't it
0: well you're asking a salesman so uh, but yeah no, yes but, uh,
1: <laughs> but, but but with that in mind like everybody understands you're selling something and you're you're a, a real estate agent and you want to you want to get out there and you want to sell a lot of properties but you know to be honest it's a good time to sell a house.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you can only ever really truly tell by looking back to see what happened next. But all the indications are right now that uh, and, and based on the evidence alone with the number of people who are saying, hey, you know, I've got an evaluation on my home. I've got this much equity. I'm ready to retire. I want to get out of the rat race. Maybe I'll go to the island or up into the interior that's becoming a big trend. So just by the evidence of that alone and the number of people, you know, taking that route, I think that indicates that for a lot of people, it is a good time to sell. So I invite again, anybody who's thinking of going down that path and maybe wants to talk to a good agent about it, check me out. I'm available.
1: Right on. JohnnySmartPoint.com is where to go on the net. You can also give him a call 604-612-0080 or write him an email. John at JohnnySmartPoint.com. Well, get back to work, John. And uh, I know it's the weekend, but uh, you've got work to do. So thanks for talking to us. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.
0: Thank you. See you again.
1: John Carlson. Uh, Coming up, Sure, Vancouver has a lot of sister cities all over the world, but do we need more friend cities? The mayor thinks so. Why Vancouver needs to get into the friend zone. That's coming up next. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Does Vancouver need a friend? Sure, Vancouver has a lot of sister cities, and that's great. I mean, sisters are, are wonderful. I have two sisters, love them dearly, but friends are important too, even for cities like Vancouver. That's why Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart is suggesting that Vancouver start a friendship city program in a motion that's coming to council later this month. Stewart says other cities want to have relationships with Vancouver, but there's no formal mechanism to allow for one other than the sister city agreements. Vancouver does have some official sister cities, Los Angeles, Edinburgh, Odessa, Yokohama, Guangzhou, but these are agreements that are very detailed, extensive, and sometimes very expensive, according to the mayor. In the motion to council, Kennedy says the idea of partnering with cities located outside Canada is an effective way by which Vancouver can build and strengthen cultural and business relationships around the globe, especially in an an increasingly divided world. Unlike most human relationships, this program, as proposed, would see agreements end after five years with an option to renew. I think that's a good idea for friends. You know, every five years you, you sit down and you have an option to renew. Yeah, I'll be your friend for another five years. Um, Other proposed rules and regulations include one friend city per country. You can't have two friend cities in the same country. Uh, They need to have a similar size and geography, so about the same size as Vancouver. And official city involvement is limited to a letter signed by the mayor and annual letters. The motion also asks staff if the program goes forward to create a mechanism for terminating the friendship-city relationship if it no longer meets a standard such as community reporting, active relationship, or shared values, whatever that means. Essentially, it's a way to break off the friendship. Uh, Council will vote on the program later this month. And the idea of sister cities goes back A long way. The concept has been around for centuries to date the earliest known sister cities were Paderborn, Germany and Le Mans, France that came together way back in 836. That's right, 836 was the year. In more modern times, it can be dated back to 1905 when Keeley in West Yorkshire, England, joined with a couple of small towns in France although this was uh, only made formally official in 1986. Elsewhere, Toledo in Ohio became the first U.S. sister city, pairing with Toledo, Spain in 1931. Then Vancouver, not long after that, got into the act, and they uh, connected with Odessa, Ukraine. And uh, since first pairing with Odessa, Vancouver has also sistered with Yokohama, Japan, Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, Guangzhou, China, and Los Angeles. And speaking of sister cities, here's one of my favorites. Uh, The city of dull Scotland is sister cities with boring Oregon. So boring Oregon and dull Scotland. Perfect sister cities. I'm Martin Strong. And right after the news, it's all about how taking care of your mouth can be the first step in taking care of your entire body when vancouver consumer continues we'll talk to the folks at bc perio that's next
0: the proceeding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of cknw